Welcome to another episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. It's a podcast for people who believe that being a woman is neither a disease nor a moral failing, and who feel overwhelmed and exhausted by everything they have to do, yet still worry that they're not doing enough. I am Emily Nagoski. And I'm Amelia Nagoski. And we're here because um, 2020, it's a shit show. We're here to help you survive it. Yeah. We're going to get through it. This episode is about the difference between burnout and trauma. The inspiration was a conversation I, this is Emily, by the way, I had with someone who had started to read Burnout and she approached me at a conference to talk about her experience. This is something that happens pretty regularly, actually. The reason she has started it but not finished is because the idea of completing the stress response cycle, which is literally like episode chapter one, episode chapter one, one yeah. episode one of the podcast, even just noticing the stress she was carrying around in her body opened up a riptide of emotion related to really specifically this job she had many years ago with a boss who was, in my opinion, from how she described it, abusive. Mm. So she told me her story. So we're standing you know, in the middle of a hotel conference room, very much in public, she's telling me the story and I'm noticing three things. First, I noticed the description of the situation itself, which sounds pretty clearly like abuse to me. She's describing to me, the second thing is her emotions as she read the book and put it together with that experience. And third, I'm noticing her emotion right there in the room as she's telling me these things. Her face is like wide-eyed and pale. I'm I'm not going to tell someone else's story, but... Just know that it is a seriously not okay work situation. She was gaslit, which, as we say in the book, is that special kind of crazy you feel that combines self-doubt with fear, mm-hmm. rage, betrayal, betrayal, and isolation. She was in that position for years, uh, but she left a decade ago, right? A right. 10 years distance she has. But remembering the experiences from 10 years ago released this like riptide that yeah, like, totally right here, right swamped now, today, her. She felt again. overwhelmed, trapped, enraged, helpless. And the book, oh, hello, puppy. Things the puppy is doing while I talk about how trapped and enraged this person felt. Reading about the stress response cycle made her remember not she remembered the experiences not just as something that happened in the past, in the past. but as sensations that were happening right in her body yeah, they right now again as she was reading. in that moment. Right. So what I said was, what you're describing sounds like trauma to mm-hmm. me, yeah. not like stress or burnout. No. That was trauma. The experiences you're describing are not just completing the stress response cycle. You're describing the symptoms of PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. You got trapped in an intense stress for a long time and your body shut down in response. Yeah. I say over and over, and I need to remind people, I am not a therapist. Not a therapist. Mm -hmm. I have this clinical background. I have a training as a therapist. So I learned some of the skills that they helped. (laughs) Skills helped me. They helped my relationships, but also they helped me when I have this kind of interaction that I can now see when a person dissociates, do you, do you have this ability? Yes. You can see it. How did you learn? If this is from, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it, I can identify dissociation, but I can see where people's states are in terms of their attention and their energy. And if they're with me here now, or if what they're seeing is the past or just inside themselves, that's just when you're a conductor, you need to know where your ensemble's at. Yeah. We did notice a long time ago that my master's degree in counseling and your master's degree in choral conducting are both degrees in how to Listen feel feeling and, and feel feelings. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, what you're describing is what dissociation looks like. It's a person who has disconnected from the outside world or from their own internal experience and their face. Yeah. For me, their face and their body language and their energy changes. There's this kind of blank like, yeah. terror on their face and the strange calmness in their voice. Can you right. hear it in their voice? Yeah, absolutely. If someone's not engaged in the present, their voice sounds completely different. How does it sound? Just completely different. It's, it's individual. Like every individual is going to be different. It depends on what their normal voice is like, the yeah. changes that'll happen. And also because when we sing, it's all exaggerated and made yeah. more extreme. All I know is there was a sort of like thin hollowness to her voice. Yeah. When I said what you're describing to me is a full-blown trauma response and PTSD symptoms, she checked out. Her voice yeah. changed. Her face changed. The conversation did not last much longer because it could not no. last much longer. She checked out. I watched her eyes. My job in that moment is to try to stay calm and exude, you know, a safe, loving presence. But I had unwittingly confronted her with something really intense. And yeah. we hear this kind of reaction to the book pretty regularly. Yeah. Every time we talk to a crowd, there's someone in the crowd. room. Who's like has a trauma response? Yeah, not necessarily this intense, but intense no. enough that the reader has to put down to the book to walk away, take a it. break, yeah. and maybe come back to it a week or a month, month later Absolutely. to give their brain a chance to process whatever gunk got stirred up. Yeah. So we want to talk about how to tell if your reaction to a situation is just burnout or if it is trauma. A lot. I think trauma is more common than people think. They think that the only people with PTSD are like military veterans or like maybe people who survive violent crimes, but it it can be PTSD can be caused by all right. kinds of because it's not just experience specific individual traumatic experiences that cause right. it. It's also abuse and neglect. Yes, um, and neglect is something where there's no specific incident that you can necessarily label as directly abusive, but right. where like you had to figure out that you were in charge of making sure you survived and nobody was going to be there for you. Bessel van der Kolk in his book, The Body Keeps the Score. P.S. If you have any questions about trauma, Body Keeps the Score. Body Keeps the Score is the book. That's the book. People ask me, we tell the story that I gave Amelia a book that was like, what was the book that made her realize that body feelings happen in her body? If it were happening now, I'd be giving her The Body, body Keeps, keeps the, the Score. score. That would be the it book. is the book. It was not published at the time that actual story happened. But it is so much better it's than so the book. It's so much better than the book. That, so this is the book now. Yeah. Body Keeps, body the, keeps score. the Score is the book to give someone if you're and you're like, I need you to understand what's happening oh. in my body or I want to help you understand what's happening in your body. Body yeah. Keeps the Score. After trauma. So for women, childbirth can... can super traumatic. Super traumatic. Some, I forget, it's, it's like 10% of women at least. Have PTSD from full childbirth? Full-blown PTSD. Full-blown PTSD. I mean, that's not something that I had ever heard before. I actually had a friend who had a very difficult birth and, and was diagnosed with PTSD afterwards and learned that it was really common. common. Yeah. Um, so I think, And that some trauma situation is like a, more than half of women experience some degree of trauma response. Some degree. Yeah. So it's way more common than people think. And if you have a past experience on top of like a current thing, your body yes. can be more prone to experience that reaction. And just the experience when you give birth of then having a newborn in your right. house and you, you can't, can't recover. leave no. the house yeah. for weeks you at can't a time. Do the things we talk it's trauma is feeling trapped, trapped in the middle of something. And, and you, yeah. Having an infant is yeah. being trapped. Yeah. 
So and you're it's very at the same time supposed to be having like the most blissful, joyous time Cherish of every so you're moment. Not even, so then you're like ashamed of the fact that you're in all this pain. Anyway, yeah, trauma is really compl complicated, but it's more common than people think. So if you're feeling like you've got stronger feelings than you're supposed to have, maybe it's a trauma response, and maybe that's why you're um, having a hard time facing some other things. I would say between a third and a half of people have a significant enough trauma history, history of abuse, trauma, or neglect, yeah. that it clouds their experience of burnout. Yeah, I think Bessel van der Kolk um, says 70%. Of all sort of Western educated, industrialized, rich, democratic yeah. people um, will experience a traumatic event sometime in their lives. 70%. So, yeah. yeah, you've probably been traumatized, just statistically speaking. Yeah. You've probably gone through trauma. Okay. So, uh, what's the difference between trauma and burnout? Burnout, the way we define it is feeling overwhelmed and exhausted by mm -hmm. everything you have to do, yet still worrying that you're not doing enough. Burnout is emotional exhaustion above mm -hmm. all it's also depersonalization and a decreased sense of accomplishment but it is not feeling emotional chaos, chaos. it's not helpless hopeless despair mm -hmm. burnout can make life feel heavy and mm -hmm. too hard mm -hmm. burnout does not make it feel like you're living in a hitchcock movie right being pecked to death by a thousand birds, battering each other at a chance each or pushed. Yeah. Like that's not burnout. It's no. not vertigo. It's not feeling like you're spinning and into an inf infinite vortex Terror. of despair. Yes. That's, that's, that's not burnout. That's a trauma response. Yeah. It's emotional exhaustion. Burnout is giving too much for too long and getting too little in return. Right. Getting too little care. And too little rest and too little connection, too little opportunity to complete your stress response cycle. Little by little over time. Trauma is learning through experience that connection is dangerous mm -hmm. and that you don't deserve adequate care or rest. Does that difference make sense? Yeah. Is there a gray area? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's pretty easy to like, okay, so are you just feeling exhausted and overwhelmed or have you been like Traumatized. tossed around yeah. in a riptide of emotion and it feels like your emotions are in control of you mm -hmm. instead of you being in control of your emotions? Yeah. That's trauma. Yeah. And just feeling exhausted and overwhelmed is burnout. Yeah. When you combine burnout with depression and anxiety, which twice as many women experience compared to men, mm -hmm. it does get into a muddy gray area. But a lot of people who have depression or anxiety mm -hmm. also have a history of abuse, trauma, or neglect. Right. There's overlap. There's a reason. This is a Venn diagram. Very so, complicated overlap. So we're not, we're not actually going to like talk in any specific way about how do I know if it's trauma versus depression and anxiety combined. Like you don't <laughs> need like, to necessarily know what the yeah. label is. What you have there is a mess. What you have there is a mess. But like the good news is that a lot of the same things that help one thing also help other things. And if you're really like, I don't know what's wrong with me, I just feel like I'm swamped and overwhelmed, let me recommend that you speak with a professional mental health care. Right. This is the moment provider. where we transition into talking about, we've sort of described the difference, I hope, uh, where burnout is just overwhelm and exhaustion. Right. Trauma is a riptide, a swamping, feeling sucked into an infinite vortex of helplessness, isolation, and despair. Mm -hmm. That feels like a pretty clear distinction to me. Yeah. So let's talk about the solutions. The cool part is that the solutions to trauma right. are just an amplified version of the solutions right. to burnout. Exactly. Like the list is 
Therapy, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Yeah. Talk yourself to a professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of us have had therapists for a long time. Really long, like for 20 years for me, I've been in therapy. Yeah. I've had the same therapist for over a decade. That relationship is really important. Oh, she is puppy. one of the oh puppy. It's one of the important relationships in my life. So yeah. therapy. If you're not in therapy already, feel free to go to a therapist once and just like see if it works out, and then yeah. never go to that therapist ever again if you don't want to. That's a hundred percent how it's supposed to work. Do not feel guilty that like you are just abandoning that. No, no, no. Just go to a therapist once, see if you like it, and yeah. try some other people and see if it works. As a person who trained as a therapist, I can tell you from our point of view that is how it's supposed to be. When you show up the first time. We're just having one conversation to feel if the relationship is a good fit for you and your needs. Right. No one can be the right therapist for everyone, no. but anyone can be the right therapist for somebody. Yeah. So if you show up in my office, I'm not a therapist. I'm talking from the point of view of how I was trained. I was trained explicitly that if somebody shows up in my office and they're like, you're not a good fit for me, that's not personal. Right. That is just, that's just, it's just you normal do. and yeah. fine. You can go once and it's completely fine. Do not feel bad about it. Yeah. And sometimes it takes time to find the right therapist. Yeah. And that's an investment and it's hard and it's complicated. But, but it's worth it. It works. Worth it it helps so it's much. So, yeah. Hmm. Therapy. Uh, so I can tell you what the actual active ingredient in therapy is, if you want to know. Yeah. There's a lot of emphasis placed on treatment modality. Like, are you going to do cognitive behavioral therapy? Are you going to do dialectical behavioral therapy? Are you going to do talk therapy? Are you going to do, like, what what kind of modality? Are you going to use mindfulness-based stress? Like, what kind of therapy are you going to do? I can tell you that when it's trauma-related, are you going to do body-based therapy, EMDR? All of those therapies can be effective depending on who you are as a survivor and what works for you. Mm-hmm. What matters most for most kinds of therapy is the therapeutic relationship yeah is building your capacity to trust this other human being to listen in a calm compassionate way to the darkest stuff that lives inside you as a person who gets told other people's dark stories on a regular basis Mm -hmm. those are stories i both don't want to share because they're someone else's story and that i don't want to share because i don't want to share the darkness Like, I don't want to, like, trap you in thinking about how bad things can be. Right. My therapist is a person I can tell the worst stories that I have heard. Yes. And I can say, I'm about to tell you the worst story I've ever heard. Here it is. And she can say back to me, that is the worst story I've ever heard, too. Or she can at least say, that's really bad. But one time was literally, that is also the worst story I've ever heard. And she's a person who I know can take it. I know that she's got like a professional training. Training. She's got a therapist of her own to help her process this stuff. Mm -hmm. I can lay dark stuff on her because mm-hmm. I know she has, she has the capacity to cope, yeah. to cope with, with the dark stuff. So therapy, one, two, physical activity. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Everybody knows physical activity is good for you. Move your body. It helps you move through trauma. Fucking yoga. Yeah. Yoga. It's, it's, it's this physical activity. Good for and you. Mindfulness. And it's so It's this incredibly gentle way to tune in to yeah. what's happening in your body. Yeah. Because trauma lives in the body. The yeah. body keeps the score. That is why that's the title physical of the book. Physical activity, mindfulness, yoga, all stuff we know is good for us. Yeah. There's reasons, there's research, and it's worth it. And sometimes you have the opportunity, <laughs> I uh, sometimes have the necessity, to put life on hold and just focus on rebuilding your soul which is an incredible luxury i have done it twice wow yeah 
It required moving back into my parents' house. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, taking on the task of building up my personhood. Uh, and that it was an incredible luxury to be able to, like, stop my life. Yeah. But it was also a total necessity. Like, I could not go on with regular life at the same time at the intensity and yeah. time consumption yeah. and exhaustion necessary. Yeah. For dealing with this stuff. So the difference between how you treat trauma and physical activity is not what you do. And also what you do is not related to how intense your trauma is or how. No, no. But I can say that I want to make sure we say that if your trauma is real big, that does not mean you need to go real big and real hard and quit your job and move into your parents' house and just rebuild you. No. On the contrary. On the contrary. It is often important to go incredible. Like you, your hospital situation. Yeah, I've never taken... You got shoved off a cliff a little bit. Yeah, I've never taken time to just like stop and Really take care of myself. I've (laughs) never, ever done that. No. Like when I finished my master's degree in 2005, I ended up in one of the most severe depressive episodes of my life um I was way underemployed like working at a jewelry store at the mall with a master's degree in conducting from one of the most prestigious conservatories in the world like I was plunged into such intense despair but I never stopped it was still a lot of me doing the things I need to do every day I never changed my lifestyle to just like focus and handle it no and then so the result of never having stopped and dealt with that is that three or four years later when I was in doctoral school and still not dealing with anything in the hospital physiological symptoms showing up as a result of my intense stress and never having really focused and dealt with this stuff is yeah hospital having organs removed and again still had to finish the degree never really stopped never really focused and I was lucky enough I mean, in this day and age, I finished a doctorate and immediately got hired at a university with a full-time tenure-track position. You know how rare that is? That's like one in 10 people with doctorates graduate and immediately end up in a in job. In a job directly related. Directly related to their field. A tenure-track academic. I was so lucky. So no, I, again, did not stop and like recover. <laughs> But happily by then, I had learned so many skills, like you could the do weed. Both. So I had learned to incorporate it into my life. But like the trauma was so big. I actually think that I'm not sure how much I could have gotten done if I had just like stopped and immersed myself in the healing. But like allowing the pain myself is too big and too deep and too old. Four or five years to, you know, do it a little bit at a time. You like live your life and do the yeah. healing shit. And then like I would just cry every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... like six years. <laughs> yeah. So this is the point where we are, where we see the divergence between what you do for burnout versus what you do for trauma healing. Right. Which is burnout, we can talk about what you do and what you're doing looks on the outside like what you're doing. Yeah. It looks like physical activity. Yep. It looks on the outside like you are hanging out in your bubble of love. It yeah. looks on the outside like you are claiming space for rest. You're 42% exactly. of your time. Yeah. And you're doing that and yes. it's healing you and that's burnout treatment and then and then there's trauma it's different you're doing these little tiny things and it looks from the outside like oh you're you're getting enough sleep but it's so hard your experience of it is it looks like you're pushing a styrofoam rock up a cliff it's an actual rock yeah 
people are like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm pushing a rock up a hill. They're like, it's made of stone. It's a rock. I don't know why that metaphor works for me really well right now. But so here's the thing. What it looks from the outside has nothing to do with what's happening on the inside of your trauma healing response. So if what we've been saying sounds like right to you and you're feeling like there's something missing here, I hope this is the piece that you're like, ah, that's what was missing, which is that when you are healing from trauma, all of our metaphors about tunnels and cycles cannot fully describe what's happening because there is no real world metaphor. There is no analog for what's happening in your body when you're healing from trauma. There is a magic that happens. And of course, who described this well? It's Rumi, (laughs) medieval Sufi poet, is who you turn to. So this is a poem I like so much that I had one of my characters in one of my romance novels quote it. He is the eldest child of an abusive, narcissistic, alcoholic father. (laughs) Where did I get that idea? You're just making things up now. Just inventing shit. Um, And he's a psychiatrist. You're supposed to write what you know, Emily. I know. So, So the poem that he turns to describe his own experience, and of course as a psychiatrist, as a way to support the survivors that he is supporting, is this Rumi poem that says, when water gets caught, in habitual whirlpools, dig a way out through the bottom to the ocean. There is a secret medicine given only to those who hurt so hard they can't hope. The hopers would feel slighted if they knew. So the magic that we're talking about, the secret medicine, the place where all of our metaphors about cycles and oscillations and tunnels fall short, is that if you're just going through a tunnel, you can visualize that, right? Yeah. But here's the thing. When it's trauma, it's a whirlpool. We've all been in literal tunnels. We can see what a tunnel is. But that actually is not what recovering from trauma feels like. Instead, you instead of working to move your way through the tunnel, instead of like going all the way through, mm-hmm. you have to soften and relax and allow yourself to sink down to the bottom of the ocean when which you are not under, a physical thing that people can yeah. actually do in physical water. Is, like you if you actually breathe, did that, you should definitely a like terrible idea. swim and get to the top. Right. But when it's emotional drowning, right. The thing to do is to relax your body and drop down deep all the way into it. And when the magic happens is that you realize you can breathe under emotional water and eventually you suck down through the sandy bottom of the ocean onto a beach and you did it. And there is no real world analog for this thing no, that happens. It only shows up in fictional stories. Yeah, This is the secret medicine. It is the magic. The place where this became obvious to me is when I read, there was a book a few years ago that uh, was super duper. It's still really, really, really well selling. What's it called? Girl, wash your face. Oh God. No, I mean, did you read it? No, I did. I know. So we're like, ew. So I didn't. So the author Rachel Hollis describes genuinely traumatic and neglectful stuff happening early in her life. Yeah. And she applies burnout and stress strategies to healing her trauma, oh, and yeah. it doesn't work. So no. I'm gonna. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote a little bit. She says, the precious life you've been given, this is from Rachel Hollis, girl, wash your face. 
The precious life you've been given is like a ship navigating its way across the ocean, and you're meant to be the captain of the vessel. Certainly there are times when the storms toss you around or cover the deck with water or break the mast clean in half, but that's when you need to fight your way back to throw all the water off the boat, bucket by bucket. That's when you battle to get yourself back to the helm. And then later on, she says, the problem is drowning means suffocating. Uh-uh. If we choose to stay underwater without kicking our way to the surface, we eventually forget how to swim. No, that's not how it works. That's not how, that can be how stress response that works. Can be, yeah, stress it's response works. That's not how, how trauma recovery trauma, works. If, you're, if you have a history like she does, her brother died by suicide. Oh. That's not that's, something you fight your way back from. No. That is something you surrender to. <laughs> Yeah, you're you not going to pilot allow that ship back to, to soften shore. down no. into it. You grieve by... Rachel, Rachel, your brother dying by suicide is not a storm that you can weather. It's so much bigger and deeper than that, girl. It is not an adversity you can fight against and win. Girl, soften. There comes a point in the struggle when fighting is not the brave choice anymore. There comes a point where fighting is your fear-driven desperation to avoid being pulled down into the sucking infinite vortex. Yes, yes. When you keep fighting even when all is lost for fear that letting go of this specific hope in this specific moment, you worry that that letting go of this specific hope is a saying of letting go of everything forever. Nope. The way you hold on to hope in general forever is by letting go yeah of you let go of the idea that you could ever have had different parents than you had yeah. that you ever could have not experienced the violence that you experienced that you could ever have lived a different kind of life yeah that your child's birth could have been painless and comfortable and right safe you surrender to your history you allow your body to drop down into it and when you surrender to it that is where you're granted access to the secret medicine When you lose your grip on the hope that things could have been different and you find the specific courage inside yourself to stop flailing and grasping and reaching for a different past, that is when and that is the only time when you dig your way out through the bottom to the ocean because the whirlpool of grief and despair is not, it's not like a literal whirlpool. It feels like it's going to kill you. And it's not going to. When you relax and allow the feeling that feels like it's going to kill you not to kill you and recognize how strong you are, you release the hope, you soften into certainty inside your own body, and you can be gifted the ability to breathe underwater. And then you move, sink down through the sand and you plop onto the beach with a drink in your hand. Yeah, the, the, I wish it's so scary. Yeah, like how can you trust that that's gonna happen? You just yeah, you, you don't know yet that you have a superpower. And let's face it, we are all <laughs> Queen Elsa being yeah. told conceal, don't feel, don't let them show, conceal it, don't feel it, don't let them know. You have to like put the gloves on your hands to make sure nobody ever because you could hurt somebody with your superpower. You have a superpower. And when you can trust your body, this is not a thing you need to know necessarily if you're just recovering from burnout. Mm -hmm. But man, if you're recovering from trauma, this is the thing I needed to have known. Yeah. I'm going to tell one last story because telling stories is the way you can actually communicate about trauma. And May's going to sing a song (laughs) about why the stories communicate about trauma. Because uh, songs are how you can actually uh, talk about these things. Okay. So here's my story. Sodom and Gomorrah, remember them? 
they were eradicated in a fire of rain and brimstone. Um, they're, they're cities. Sodom and Gomorrah, they're not people, they're cities. Yeah. So, some people don't know that. Oh, so the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were eradicated in a rain of fire and brimstone. And the rule to escape, if you wanted to get out of these cities being eradicated by a rain of fire and brimstone, the rule was don't look back. Right. Don't look. Don't look at it. At the suffering. Lot's wife, why did she turn into a pillar of salt? Because she couldn't help herself. She had to look back. Mm-hmm. See what happened to her. Women punished for knowing. For looking. For daring to see what's true. The struggle to heal, whether from a abuse or neglect in your family or oppression and discrimination in your culture. Mm-hmm. This is not merely the struggle to recover from damage that was inflicted. You right. are also struggling to heal in the context of a family or society that prefers to act as if you are suffering from a delusion. Don't look. It's telling you to like be the captain of your own ship yeah. and yeah. not sink down. Don't mm-hmm. look, don't soften, don't surrender fight, fight, fight. to what Run. has happened to you. Uh, Bessel van der Kolk says, victims are members of society whose problems represent the memory of suffering, rage, and pain in a world that longs to forget. Which brings us to Pandora. Do you actually know the story of Pandora? We all know her name, right? But she was the first woman. She was created... Oh, she was created by the immortals as a punishment, punishment yeah. for two human brothers who were annoying Zeus. Yeah, Zeus is an asshole. So they gifted her. They gave her a bunch of gifts and talents. Yeah. And among those gifts and talents was a box, mm-hmm. which Zeus told her she must never open. Of course he did. Of course he opened it. Yeah. And she released into the world all the horrors and evils that we know today. Poverty, she- disease despair. She is not the one who put those horrors in there. Zeus put them in there, but she's the one who gets the blame. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's the one who dared to look. To look. And what the story tries to say is that, you know, if she hadn't looked, we wouldn't have this. We wouldn't have this problem. So what is so dangerous about women looking? Looking with compassion and curiosity at the horrors, surrendering to it, allowing it to be true is how we develop the capacity to grow. We honor the ways we adapted to the struggles. We see the scars. And it is the looking itself, seeing with our survivor eyes, the ways we struggled, that transforms the adversity into the superpower. That is the magic. The looking at it, the allowing it to be true, is the superpower. Mm -hmm. And that is how we go stronger. From the outside, this does not look like a big deal. (laughs) Like anything special. But when Pandora dared to explore what was rightfully hers, it was given to her through the process of her own creation. When she looked at the horrors gifted to her by the immortals. Fucking Zeus. Do you remember what was the last thing she saw? I do, I do. What was it? Hope. Am I wrong? You're totally right. I'm right. When you look. You see the horrors, and the last thing you find, the last thing to fly out of the box, hope is hope. So, do you do you want to sing a song about trauma? I really, I think we need to now. And do you want to play my shitty attitude ukulele yeah. because it's the one you have access to? Y'all, y'all, keep your ukuleles tuned. Are you ready? It's not just a metaphor. I need to roll my sleeve up so that I don't dampen the strings i was trying to include a like a caveat this is emily's shitty ukulele this is emily's i usually record this with my very fancy concert ukulele that was gifted to me by a church choir that i've conducted for nine years it's very nice 
I keep it in tune. This so is not it. Do you want to play a song about trauma on my shitty out-of-tune ukulele? <laughs> sure. Okay. Are you uh, ready? Yeah. Wonder Twin Powers, activate! How does it feel when you crawl out of trauma? What is it like? Is it captivating drama? One does not simply walk into Mordor. No. It's mostly waking up every day and imitating what you think normal people do. Going to therapy, taking your meds, and faking sanity. I volunteer as tribute! This is why the stories are full of magic. Nothing in nature is sufficiently tragic. Stories can show you for the hero you are. Stories can show you for the hero you are. Ah, humbug! People think a hero is someone who helps strangers. They can't see survivors work, won't make them entertainers. Winter is coming. No, the goal is just normality. And that doesn't look impressive from the outside. But your experience of the struggle is so much bigger on the inside. I hear that Dr. Who reference. Yeah. Luke. This is your destiny. This is why the stories are full of magic. Nothing in nature is sufficiently tragic. Stories can show you for the hero you are. Stories can show you for the hero you are. You're a wizard, Harry. Suffering and pain can leave your soul in tatters. It can be hard to believe that you matter. Let it go. Let it go. Yes, it's easy to infer that it's not enough to help just yourself, but it's actually incredibly valuable and important that you're taming that lion in your wardrobe. I see you, C.S. Lewis. I am Moana. Yes, we can see you are full of magic. You have defeated the evil and tragic. Now you'll remember what a hero you are. Now you'll remember what a hero you are. Sometimes you have to be a little bit naughty. Yes, we can see you are full of magic. You have defeated the evil and tragic. Now you'll remember what a hero you are. Now you'll remember what a hero you are. That's this episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. Uh, anything was written, it was written by us, Emily Nagoski. And Amelia Nagoski. Music by. And if it was edited, it was edited by my marital euphemism. You can follow us on the social media, Twitter and Instagram, at FSP2020. Email us, Feminist Survival Project 2020 at gmail.com. And if anything that you heard was useful, or you think might be soothing for someone else, please do feel free to share it with them. Thank you for listening. Fucking Zeus.